Welcome to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast with me, Sarah Jolly Jarvis. I'm here to share with you real life stories from high performing salespeople and business owners, as well as my own insights and learnings around what's working well right now in the sales world, telling things like it is without the sleeves. Hello and welcome to today's podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Jolly Jarvis, and today I am joined by Colin Mitchell from Salescast. Now, not only does he host his Sales Transformation podcast, um, which has truly, yeah, it's it's been rebranded from Sales Hustle and it has just totally taken off, but he also runs Salescast, which helps people to launch, manage and grow their podcasts. So, um, and ironically then, he's on my podcast, he's on a podcast. So, um, without further ado, we're going to get stuck in and chat to Colin. You started out with your first business with your wife. Correct. Yes. How did that come about? Was that just? Yeah. So, uh, well, I had got my first sales job and worked my way up to the top there pretty fast. Thought that I should now run a team. I was definitely not ready to run a team. They told me I was going to be able to run a team and didn't let me. So then I left to go run a team. And, uh, and so I took a VP of sales position and then my wife, uh, who we were just dating at the time, was in recruitment and she actually uh, lived over in London and was doing recruitment there and just absolutely loved it and had a great time. And it was her first, you know, kind of big job after college. And then uh, when she moved back to the States here uh, and got into recruitment, it was very different. And so she didn't, she didn't love it as much. And I said, Hey, you know, why don't you come over here and kind of learn what we're doing? And you don't like your job really. So what's the worst that could happen? And so she came over and, and worked for a little while and, and really just learned the industry and things like that. And then, you know, at one moment I said, I think we could do this on our own. And we did. And then our first office was the living room of our one bedroom apartment, which oh, means wow. we worked a lot while keeping our expenses low, yeah. uh, which I highly yeah. recommend. Very sensible. And, yeah. uh, and then, you know, we got our first office and, and grew out of that. And that was kind of the theme there. And, and we grew that business to like 5 million in 26 months. So what industry was that in? Yeah, we were selling um, office equipment, supplies, hardware, software, all kinds of different consumables. Um, there was like a million different products that we could sell. We had different mm-hmm. vendors and dropship partners. So we didn't have to hold any inventory. And mm-hmm. then we mainly would work with school districts and, and government. So we kind of really niched down in, in those spaces where it was still very much a relationship driven, you know, sales process and, and things like that. Um, and just built out a sales team and, and built that business to 5 million in annual revenue in 26 months with $0 spent on marketing. Wow. So, so presumably it was very much, you know, they, they come to you and you become the sort of one-stop shop. Is that the aim? Uh, yes and no. I mean, there were some products that we were, you know, not as competitive on. Um, most times they were coming to us to save money or, you know, get, you know, better quality products or better service or get the products faster or things like that. Uh, and so, and we built a lot of relationships with some of the largest school districts in the country, um, you know, won some contracts and things like that. And, uh, you know, built out uh, a sales team that was just really heavy on the phone mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, that she handled more of the finance operations stuff. 
Um, and I still kind of stayed close to building, managing, training, you know, the sales team and staying in the trenches where I'm most comfortable. <laughs> and what makes you yeah. most comfortable there? Cause I'm, I'm a big fan yeah. of whenever someone's yeah. wanting to give away their sales. I always talk to people all the time who are like, yeah, I want to get out of sales. I don't want to do my own sales anymore. And I'm like, that's the last mm. thing that you stop doing yourself. Don't do it. Don't do it. And why uh, would you say I, don't do it? Yeah. Cause I did it and I hated it. <laughs> so <laughs> You know, we kind of, you know, got a level of success. And it was like, then I started like, now let's build out these fancy marketing campaigns and learn all these things to really like take it to the next level and, and, and work more on operations and working more on the business instead of in the business. And, and I just absolutely hated it. Uh, and it's better for me personally, I'm through and through a salesperson. I love building new relationships. I love building something from nothing. Um, I love even as a founder or owner to just hop on the phone and make cold calls and pretend like I'm just, you know, any average salesperson, you know, that's the stuff that I really enjoy doing. And so, and, and if that is true for you, then you should stay there. If it's not, if like, Hey, I've only been selling and kind of, I'm not that great at it. And I hate doing these things. Then, then maybe another path, you know, is, is better for you, but this is a sales podcast. So you probably wouldn't be listening to this <laughs> if that was you. Um, well, there, so is I did the element. There, are, there are people who listen who are, they know, because my, my audience is they, they, they run a business and they know they've yeah. got to sell um, because if they don't sell, no one's selling, then is it really, a, you know, it's not actually a business. Um, right. But th- some of them are reluctant to sell um because it's not it doesn't come naturally and that's the problem is when you first start out with your business you want everything in your business aren't you um you know accountant across the board the lot um I think the only thing you don't need is HR which to be fair I'm very reluctant to involve at any point um (laughs) but but it's it's so you're that's kind of getting involved And, and my comments in them is always like well try and train yourself up because I'm my thinking is that I've only met two people that I've ever said, you know what? Yeah, you are better off going and getting somebody else to sell for you. Um, <laughs> because, and I was honest with them because they just, yeah. it just didn't come naturally. Communication didn't come naturally. And that's what I kind of rely on with, with sales training is like that the reasonable level of communication to start off with, to build on. What right. would you say would be from, from your point of view? Yeah. The, the, the point at which you'd go, yeah, go off and get yourself a salesperson. Yeah. I mean, there's two, there's two parts to answer that question, right? So there's one scenario, um, you know, you've been doing sales as a, as a owner founder, uh, just to get by and, you know, make sure the bills are paid or, or whatever the case is. And you've been doing it out of necessity and mm-hmm. you absolutely hate it. It makes you extremely uncomfortable. Uh, maybe you aren't that great at communication then probably want to get somebody in sales sooner than later, or better answer is, uh, maybe have a partner or co-founder that has a strong ability to communicate and is, has, you know, stronger sales skills. Right. And when do you think the value is in that? Well, I think that, yeah, I think they've got more skin in the game, haven't they? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, and you know, there's more technical founders that that's sales is going to be a really tough skill for them and they might be able to build the best product. But if you can't sell it, nobody cares. Yeah. You yeah, know, unfortunately. Um, and the thing is, is you can have a decent product, but if you know how to sell it, uh, a lot more people are going to care. Yeah. 
So I think if you're more like a technical person or you're more operations person or more customer service sort of order taker person, um, you know, find where you fit best. And I think, you know, having somebody who has strong relationship skills and communication skills and ability to sell on sort of the founder's team or the executive team is, is important um, mm-hmm. because, you know, they're going to have more skin in the game, especially early on, you know, before a lot of founders make a mistake where they don't know how to sell. And they're like, we need a VP of sales. And it's like, no, you don't. You definitely don't need that, you know, or they want to go hire a manager to then build a team. And, you know, they have no sense of what is needed in that yeah. department. Uh, so they can't even make those good decisions to hire the right people. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. So what level would you hire at then? If you were, well, hire at or get, get in as part of the founding team, what would, what, mm-hmm. what would you be looking for? Uh, so let's, okay. So that's, that's one scenario, right? Somebody mm-hmm. who just hates sales, not good at it. Right. And I think having somebody on the founding team is important that can sell. Right. And then the other side of it is like, I'm great at it. I love it. And like, now I'm just getting too busy with all these other things. So I don't have enough time to prospect or, you know, I'm trying to find that silver bullet and run some paid ads or, you know, hire this fancy consultant to do these things to try to drive sales and fill the funnel because I'm just too busy with all the work that we've done because I'm actually good at sales. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's that, which that scenario that happens in a lot of cases too. Then, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So stay close to sales and hire somebody to do all of those other things that are taking you away from what you're good at. So basically so, right to your strengths, isn't it? Exactly. And so, and that's kind of what happened to me is, is, is we reached like a level of excess and then I got busy with all of this other stuff that I didn't enjoy doing. And I didn't get as much time to spend with the sales team or to, uh, you know, actually just make cold calls and like build new relationships. And, uh, and, and I didn't love it anymore. And so I had to like, get back to that. I'm like, I need to get in the trenches. I'm the type of sales leader that, you know, I'm not like, Hey, here's the activity, you know, that everybody needs to hit and I'll watch the dashboard and make sure you hit it. And we'll check in at the end of the month. There's too many of those. (laughs) Um, you know, I'm the type that likes to lead a team is like, Hey, there's this new way of doing things. I don't know if it's going to work, but let's go try it together and see what happens, you know? Um, and either it'll work and it'll be great or it won't work. And it'll still be great. Cause we'll learn something or we'll at least learn that that doesn't work. And do you get them competing with you? Is that, is that how you, you sort of lead? Is that how you motivate them? Is like, Hey guys, I've done this. What have you been doing? To some extent? Yes. But as the founder, you kind of have a, it's kind of a not, not a totally even playing field, you know, (laughs) Um, you know, you want to, you know, I like to co-work deals or like, Hey, I'm going to go, let's go prospect and learn. And like anything that we, you know, maybe get some interest in, you can work the deal, you know, things like that. When you got some new hires, like, Hey, let's go prospect together and we're prospecting for you. You know, I'm going to prospect for you. You're going to prospect for you. You're going to sit in on calls. We're going to, you know, break calls down. We're going to run demos together. We're going to run discoveries together, but like we're building your book, you know? And so I I like to go in that approach. Uh, but you know, having some numbers on the board helps too. Cause like, oh, you know, I'm going to actually follow instructions from this person because he clearly knows what he's doing. Yeah, that makes sense. And do you find that, so presumably a lot of the training that when you're training up the team, you're, you're kind of working together. So 
you're kind of coming out and, and sort of having conversations on what could have gone better, what could have gone worse. They're, they're sort of learning off you. Is that what you find works the best or do you have a more structured sales training? It's, uh, it's, it's hard to have a structured sales training, right? Because people are just too dynamic. Yeah. And this is a common mistake for a lot of sales leaders of like, here's the playbook. Here's the, here's, <laughs> you know, here's how we're going to get from A to Z. Um, and it doesn't take account for, you know, different learning styles, uh, different personality types, uh, people that are driven by different things. Yeah. It doesn't take account for all of these things that are different in, in different people. So having a little bit of structure is good. Um, like, Hey, here's where we're trying to go. Here's what, you know, the mission, here's the vision, here's, you know, what problem we solve. Like, you know, having scripts, some people are like live or die by the script or no, you shouldn't have scripts. I'm somewhere in between, right? Like a script, we, we, we need a script to have a starting point, but you want to encourage your team to have enough autonomy to like make it their own and, you know, uh, talk like they would speak, you know, or, Hey, you know, we're launching this new campaign. Why don't you give a stat? Why don't you take a stab at, at writing the script? And then, you know, I'll take a look and maybe give you some feedback, but it's like your script, you wrote it, it's your words, you own it. You're going to feel much more comfortable saying those things on the phone. I I remember I had a manager and he was like, he used to, he spang on because apparently our clients used to are feely people. So I worked in medical sales. So he tarred or or medical people with the brush of they're all caring. And, and, you know, Mm -hmm. fundamentally lots of them were, Um, but he would be like, you've got to ask them how it makes them feel. And I'm just not a feeling person. And I used to be like, and how does that make you feel? And I was like, you could see it made me feel really uncomfortable asking that yeah. question. But, it, and that was the thing. It was just this, but this is what you need to say. And it was like, but that's yeah. not my natural terminology. And that's where, yeah, all of this selling that's these stuff. Yeah. And it actually hurts more than it helps because, I mean, a lot of sales has to do with, the people that you're going to jive with, you know, and it's not going to be everybody. Right. But, but, you know, Sarah is most likely to do business with people that have some similar interests that maybe, you know, speak the same a little bit. Like there's a lot of information and data and reports and things and people spending a ton of money on like the whole psychographics of people, right? Like, you know, here's my ICP, which is, you know, really a simple level, you know, industry, you know, locate geography, title, size, revenue, simple stuff, but then there's a whole nother layer of like psychographics of like, you know, what interests they have or, you know, uh, you know, what things they care about, what motivates them, their style. And, and those are the, actually the people that you're more likely to work with because they're similar to you. They're going to, yeah. you're going to get along exactly. better with them. It's going to yeah. feel more like, uh, you know, doing business with a friend. Yeah, exactly. And the thing is, is if you're a thoughts person, if you attract thoughts thinking people, then, you know, you're all on the logic, you're on the same sort of path of, of how you go about tasks and looking at things logically or whatever. Whereas emotionally driven people who make emotionally driven decisions, you know, for me, I find that quite perplexing sometimes because I'm like, well, that didn't make any bloody sense whatsoever. Um, and so it's, but it, felt, that- but it felt right. <laughs> I don't know how it felt because I don't do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, I, I get but it. And, it is, it's, and, it's, and- it's really interesting, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, there's some salespeople that just can adapt to all of the different personality types, you know, but that's hard work. That's really hard work. Like to really kind of figure out, you know, 
pinpoint, you know, the type of person that you're working with and then, you know, sort of adjust and adapt your, your style and your approach based on who you think they are, which may or may not be right. Well, that's it. And then you can make, you can make some great pearls, can't you? I mean, but that's the issue is, is that we, cause we used to call them, I did one and it came up as you're a hub. If you can yeah. draw on all the different sorts of personality traits, then you're a hub. Um, and they were like, well, actually that's very, they're very difficult people to relate to because you're never quite sure what they're, they're kind of like yeah. the chameleons of the sales world because you're never quite sure what, what position they're going to take and what sort of, you know, uh, opinion they're going to have on something because it's, it's forever changing. Um, yeah, I do. I had, I've been subjected to quite a few of those interesting, different. Yeah. I actually had looked at a tool at one, uh, actually made, made friends with somebody who they basically built a software that, you know, shows up on your, your zoom calls and based on how the conversation goes, it will tell you exactly how to follow up with that person. And so we had a full conversation and then he sent me the report on me of like how he should follow up with me, what words to choose, things like that. Just kind of some pointers. And it was creepy on how was accurate it was. It was, it was really accurate. Was it? It was, it was, oh, it no. really was. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is, oh, but it's to be fair though, the, the, the joys of being able to go onto something like zoom, you have got that as a, but then it's taking that skill away from people, isn't it? I think. Uh, it, it was helpful. It wasn't like, you know, <clears throat> I mean, do what you want with the information, right? Like yeah. if, if there is the, is the person, a uh, you know, more make decisions on feelings, right? Well then, you know, <laughs> how you craft your message and your value prop and your follow-up and how you run mm-hmm. your demo might be a little different. Um, is it, it, it somebody help, who it? appreciates more, you know, is more analytical and facts, then you might come and prep your slides with, little bit more data and sources and facts and numbers, yeah. you know? Um, so it, it was very interesting. Well, I can imagine. Yeah. It's amazing what they can do nowadays. Um, back to the, back to the idea of if you want to get somebody in at founding level. So you're like, you know what, I'm not great at sales. This isn't my skill set. Yeah. The communication stuff isn't my skill set. And you said, don't go in at the sort of, don't go in for a manager, which I totally agree with, but what's your take on what sort of person should they be looking for? I mean, it, it, they should be looking for somebody who, I mean, maybe it's equity, maybe it's, you know, a 50, 50 partnership, you know, Hey, I'll do product and operations and, you know, make sure people stick around and you make sure you bring people in the door, whatever. I don't know. It's, it's kind of a, a different answer for each individual, depending on their situation. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's a higher somebody, you know, at a, yeah. at a, a lower rate with some equity, um, somebody who can build a sales team or build a sales process, or, you know, maybe drive product based on feedback that they're getting from people, prospects and conversations. Um, they've got so a bit it's, of a it's, track it's, record of, so they've got a bit yeah. of experience under the belt. I mean, a person that has maybe done it before would be, would be a good place to start. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, uh, a person who's built from, you know, zero to five or zero to 10 is a very different person that's built from like 10 to 50, you know, uh, that's a very different person, a person who's already, you know, inherited a, a, a established brand and product and took it to the next level is, is not necessarily going to be the best person to take something from zero to five or zero to 10. No, that makes sense. No, that makes sense. And we, um, I came across a sales team a good few years ago now, and they were, 
they were amazing and they were trying to get them in. So they were headhunting them from one company, which had had a market leading product for ages into an, an up and coming. But these sales guys had taken on this role as an account manager for a company which had a patent in place. So mm. when it came to actually selling against a competition, they'd never really had to do it. And so these whizzes had come into this organization and they were proper positioning them as, you know, these are going to hit the ground running. They're going to be amazing. They'd never had to justify why somebody should choose their product over another one because they'd always had the patent for protection. They'd always had the reputation and to be chasing coming from nothing is so, so different. Yeah. Yeah. It's different when nobody knows who the heck you are or why they should care. Uh, (laughs) it's It's a, it's a very, different experience. And there's a lot of skills that are acquired through doing that before that your person who, you know, started with something more established and maybe, you know, very impressive to take something from 10 to 50, but not the same person, not the same skills, not the experience that's needed to take something from zero to five or zero to 10. Absolutely not. So what would you say, right? Because you said, I love sales. What, what do you love so much about sales? Everything. <laughs> That's a rubbish answer. <laughs> if you were to choose, like, what what aspect yeah. of it is it? I love building something from nothing, right? Okay. So, so I'm kind of the. I have founded four different companies, and so I get bored, or I like, I like, I like the tough early, you know, airplane taking off without everything figured out sort of stage of of companies. <laughs> um, so I like that zero to five, zero to 10. Like I like that. Um, that's what I enjoy. Like, Hey, nobody knows who the heck we are. Nobody cares. You know, maybe the product's okay, decent, you know, making it better, getting that feedback, building relationships, you know, building a brand, uh, establishing, you know, partnerships. I like building all of that stuff from scratch, which is really freaking hard. And it uh, I enjoy yeah. it. You like the hard work. Is that all? Is is the four businesses been in different industries, or have you been able to take contact from? from Uh, No, all different. uh, uh, Different. So I still have the IT VAR business that my wife and I started 10, 11 years ago. Still have that business. Um, You know, I have a great team and I'm not as involved as as I used to be, um, but I still have that business. And then part of that business there is, you know, I think I mentioned earlier is we heavily relied on the phones and, uh, and we, you know, had a, a large, you know, team and, uh, you know, we made money by using the telephone and, mm-hmm. um, you know, VoIP was not like super new, uh, but the quality was still really crappy and there was a lot of problems. And, and so we had gone through like five different providers of, and just completely frustrated, ripping our hair out. You know, I'd have people who'd come in at, you know, 5 a.m. to work the East Coast and phones aren't working and they're upset. I'm upset. And um, we'd switch providers like five times and didn't know what to do next. And there was a techie guy in our building and he's like, I think I can throw something together that'll work better than all this stuff. And I'm like, I'll do anything. And so he uh, took a software, put it on a virtual server, got some trunk providers, and it was like, the most stable, reliable thing that we'd ever had. And so then I was kind of like, Hmm, I think there's more people that have the same problem (laughs) and be willing to pay for this. Um, and so we took that, you know, duct tape solution and made it much better than it was and, uh, made some changes and invested in a commercial switch and all of that. And so I built a unified communications company after that. 
Um, we wow. built that to over 6,000 customers on that platform. And did you uh, have people, did you, did you do the market? Like you knew that you had the problem. Did you, you know, put feelers out and get an idea or did you bring it up yeah. to scratch before you did it? How did you, what, how did yes. you find that? Yeah, sure. So we, we reached out to like a few of our, you know, customers, um, that business mainly deals with school districts and government. So those are not the right companies for the unified communications business. It's just, they, they typically have a different type of solution, yeah. uh, in a lot of cases, and it's just a very different, you know, bidding sales process. So lo- those clients were not necessarily our clients for that mm-hmm. business, but we had some businesses where, you know, we got to talk to them, Hey, do you, you know, have problems? You know, what do you think about this? Do you want to try it? Uh, and most of them were pretty open to it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we got our first cu- a couple of customers that way. Uh, and then, you know, it kind of started to become more successful than we thought. We thought it was just going to be an extra revenue stream. And then we're like, we can't really market this, this brand, this business, this offering under this company, because we start to look like, you know, somebody who yeah. just does everything. And we need to look more, uh, like somebody who specializes in this, you know, specific area. So that's when, you know, spun up the new company and <clears throat> really got after it and built that to over 6,000 customers. And then something interesting happened about a year and a half ago, I went on a podcast for the very first time and, uh, it was in studio. Most of them are virtual, like, like we're doing today, but it was in studio, had a great experience. And, um, at that point I had, you know, three companies that I was running. One was a small marketing agency that I was not very successful. And I really just hated doing, uh, (laughs) and so I closed the door. Wow. Selling that. Yeah. 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 And so I went on the podcast, had a great experience. And I said uh, to my co-founder now, Chris, I said, you know, I'd I'd love to start a podcast. I think how, how can I do it? And uh, he's like, well, you can make it simple. You know, you interview whoever you want and I'll take care of the rest. I'm like, sounds like that. That'll work for me. Um, And so so a very successful podcaster told me, uh, cause I said, I'm going to do like one or two episodes a month. That's all I have time for. And he's like, Oh no, you can't do that. He's like, you got to go at least weekly and you got to front load like 20 episodes and release them, release them daily. And then you'll kind of, you know, trick the, the Apple podcast algorithm and you'll pick up a bunch of listeners. And I'm like, sounds interesting. And you clearly have a successful show. So it sounds like, you know what you're talking about. And so we did that. Uh, and I don't think that I picked up any extra followers, but, but, but it created the habit. It created the process in, you know, producing at that, you know, consistency. And I went on a wild ride of interviewing 150, you know, entrepreneurs and founders and stuff like that. And, uh, learned a lot, uh, in that process, got kind of bored with that show and then launched my new show, uh, which I've been doing for, probably almost a year now. Mm -hmm. And then in between there, uh, we started, you know, uh, managing podcasts. So we manage about 40 plus B2B podcasts, sales, marketing, business, all business focused shows. Uh, and it's a ton of fun. And so that's kind of where my focus is now. So we're going to leave this interview there for this week with Colin. And next week, we are going to talk through the sort of second part of the interview, which went into um, the ways to get more from your podcast. So he alluded to when we were having our sort of initial chat that, you know, there are different ways of making the most out of your podcast, monetizing um, and, you know, converting uh, your podcast and the effort you put into that podcast into sales. And that's what we're going to cover in our podcast next week. So... Bye for now. Happy selling. 
Thanks for listening to the Selling Without Sleeves podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you are listening from to leave us a review. It's a good way for us to know what you like so we can create more of it.